My bed is reserved. We're looking at two main characters in the Song of Songs, the Shulamite woman and her beloved, the bride and the bridegroom. We've been talking about that it's a picture of the church and Jesus, that we are the beloved's precious bride, and he wants us to walk in an intimate, close relationship with him. As we end in chapter 2, we see that the king calls his bride up to a higher realm. If you remember, it was with the language of going up the stairs. It was a place of getting lost in God where he can delight in us and we can delight in him. This is simply an invitation from the Father. He calls us up to a higher realm or a higher or a reality of dwelling that we cannot enter unless we change our minds and align with our earthly realities with heavenly realities. He says, I know you're there, but I want you to take a shift and I'm calling you higher. I'm calling you to go into a different reality than you are living in. That even though sin may have separated us, we do not have to live in separation because of what Jesus bought in redemption, making us right to enter right in to the most holy place, the holy of holies, the chamber of God, the secret place of God. I'm going to say this very boldly. We do not have to wait for Jesus to return to experience intimacy or a high level of presence. Because even though Jesus is, has not come back, the reality of the presence of God is just as real now as it will be when he returns. The issue is we have a hard time aligning our thinking like that. The church is famous for preaching messages like, Jesus is coming back, wait on him, get ready, he's coming, he's coming. But I say, enter into a higher realm where we realize that we are just as present with him now as we will be in the heavenlies. Tonight, I actually want to start off in Acts chapter 3, and we'll refer back to a verse in Song of Songs chapter 2 to really set this up to understand our place to a higher calling. In Acts 3 verses 19 to 21, it says this, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. And then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. I'm going to read that again. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his holy prophets. He must remain in heaven. Until the time for final restoration of all things. We start off understanding that repentance is not just, God, I'm sorry for what I did. Repentance is not telling God you're sorry for the sins that you have walked into. Repentance is changing the way you think that results in turning a different direction. The issue with people is that we battle with sin and wonder why we can't get free from it. Because you're trying to manage your behavior called sin instead of rethinking how your mind agrees with a nature called sin. You can't get free from sin until you start changing the way you think about the thing that you're walking into. And God says if you would change the way you think 
if you would align your thinking with heaven, it will cause you to turn in a different direction, and that direction is actually toward God, toward where God is present. And, his, and he says, in that presence, as you repent, as you change the way you think and walk toward his presence, toward where he is, he says, in that place, times of refreshing come. And I don't know about you, but there are times in life where I need some refreshing. Because life gets hard, and just because you say yes to Jesus doesn't make it easier. In fact, the scripture says it's probably going to get more tough, and a lot more stuff's coming against you. Because the moment you said yes, you became a threat. So even though sin separated us, he says, I am making you right enough to get in my presence even though you are sinning. And the process I'm going to walk you through is changing your mind. And he says, in this process of repentance and walking in the presence to get times of refreshing, in that process, he says, Jesus is going to remain there with the Father in the heavens and the t until the time is right for him to come back. Right? You don't have to wait for Jesus to come back to experience presence. You get to experience presence, and the Father will tell, it, tell Jesus when it's time to finally restore. Now, I want you to think about that. Jesus doesn't know when it's time for him to come back. The Father says, you sit here, and I'll let you know when. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 7. Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and wild deer, not to awaken love until the time is right. Promise me not to awaken love until the time is right. Just like Jesus is waiting for the Father to say the time is right, there are times when you need to enter in such a level of refreshing in his presence that you don't need to leave that place until... The time is right. When is that time right is the question. When you get out of this wrestling match of where is God and you start to understand that he is with you. When is it time to get out of this I'm in the presence and I'm being refreshed. You need to stay there in the presence of God in this refreshing of him reminding you of how much he loves you, when do you awaken from that and start walking on your journey? When you get out of this wrestling match that you're still trying to find God and wake up to the reality that he is with you. And the only thing that needs to change is the way you think. Because when you align your natural thinking with a spiritual consciousness... Breakthrough happens because you realize that you're never alone. And because you're never alone, you can do all things through a God, through Christ, who strengthens you to do so. We get in this times of trying to prove ourselves and do something great for the kingdom. And God says, you ain't ready to do nothing until you understand that you can do anything. Because in the process of trying to do something, we often fail because we measure ourselves up to everyone else or anything else. Or we focus on the sin that used to separate us. 
and come up with reasons as to why we can't do the thing we're called to do. And God says, you need to get your mind in line with the fact that you are seated with me in the heavenlies. I am present with you now, and you can do anything that I've asked you to do. And it has nothing to do with your personality, and it has nothing to do with your skills. It has nothing to do with your talents. You know what a spiritual gift is? You don't have the gift, so here it is. A spiritual gift is not for you to posture yourself as spiritually mature. A gift is, oh, you can't be patient? Here. A gift is you can't understand the language? Here. A gift is you're not an encourager? Here's prophecy. What is prophecy? Edification. Edifying the body. Well, I just don't have the gift of encouragement. He says, here. I don't have the gift to teach because I'm not a good communicator. Neither was Moses. He talk like this all the time. And God says, I don't need you to tell me what your limit is. I need you to say yes and align your thinking with a new reality. You can walk out of that abusive situation. You can humble yourself to the needs of those who don't deserve it. You can give the word that God has placed inside of you. You can do all things through Christ who gives you the ability to do so. Why? Because in presence, you get refreshed and awakened when the time is right. You get awakened when the time is right, and the time is right when you realize, oh, I can. Oh, he's here. Oh, I don't have to wait to get the church to get in the presence of God because the presence is right here. And then there's another side to this. The Father will tell Jesus when to go finish Restoration. He says, enter in my presence, get refreshed, and the Father will tell Jesus when it's time for final restoration. Verse 21 says, the final restoration of all things. So what is the Father waiting on? Peter is telling these people in Acts 3 that if we would repent, change the way we think, and start to walk in restoration... That would in turn cause a time for the Father to say, now is the time to awaken love. Why do we need times of refreshment in the presence? Because we have a call to walk out restoration. One of our core values tonight, influence the world. People debate on whether or not we should embrace things, something called a seven mountain theology. Essentially, it's just influencing all areas of the world. Have you noticed that the movie theater is starting to be influenced with movies about Jesus? Because someone got it. Oh, why are we letting the world tell us what a great movie is? Right? So we are to wake up through times of refreshment that, oh, I can influence something with the gift I've got, and while I am restoring the media for the glory of God, while I'm restoring my family to the glory of God, while I'm restoring businesses to the glory of God, while I'm doing this, the more we get refreshed and wake up to our call to go restore in the name of Jesus, one day we're going to be so awakened, the true godly woke, we're going to get so woke 
in the name of Jesus that God's going to say, it's time for love to wake up. <laughs> Go get them. I, oh, I, just, I just felt that. There is such a level of intimacy with God and his bride that he is taking delight in his bride to the point of letting the timing of the restoration of all things actually hinge on his bride bringing all things to readiness. Let me say that again. There is such a level of intimacy with God and his bride. Who is his bride? Us. That he's taking delight in us to the point of letting the timing of restoration depend on us making things ready. He sends refreshing so that we're properly prepared for restoring so that he can come and finally restore. In other words, he wants you and he needs you. God doesn't need me, then why did he give up his son for you? And while we're waiting for him to come and restore all things, we must seek God in all things. And as we move into the Song of Songs, chapter 3, this is exactly what this Shulamite woman is doing. She is seeking out her beloved. She is trying to find the one that she loves and actually is depicted in a dream. So starting in verse 1 in Song of Songs 3, it says this, One night as I lay in bed, I yearned for my lover. I yearned for him, but he did not come. This woman, you can leave that up there. This woman has a dream, and she experiences anxiety and insecurity due to the absence of her beloved. Only his presence is the thing that satisfies her. But when she woke up, she felt like he wasn't there. And I don't know about you, but there is times when we feel like God's not there. And oftentimes we cry out, where are you? Where were you when I needed you? God, why didn't you show up 10 years ago when you know I needed you the most? Can we get real transparent, right? God, where were you in that time of crisis? God, why did you leave me alone? But the truth of the matter is scripture says in Joshua 1.9 that God will be with you wherever you go. Isaiah, Isaiah 41.10 says, don't be afraid, I'm with you, I will help you, and I will hold you up with my righteous hand. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, God goes with you, and he will never leave you. Now, and we know that truth, but sometimes we still feel like he's gone. The question I have is why? Why is it that if he is present, and he is with us, and we are in the same presence of God now as we will be when he comes back, why is it that I still feel like he's gone. I want to draw your attention to two things that this passage starts out with. Number one is that she's laying in her bed. And number two is that the time is night. The night is a time representing coldness, darkness, drowsiness, tiredness. Anybody ever get tired? Anybody ever get tired of life? Many times in life we're in the night. We get tired we get weary. We're tired of doing the same stuff over and over. And in the midst of that tiredness and that nighttime, we're longing and looking for something. But in the times of longing and looking for God, we actually start to cling to other things 
when we don't feel like God is present. We forget that the bed, the place of needing to cling to something, is reserved to the marriage of God. And we end up inviting other lovers into the bedroom. The word for bed here, mishkab, is a word not used for a casual place. It's not a, talking about a couch or a place to kind of chill. This word mishkab for bed is actually used in connotations of sexual relations in the bedroom. It was used in a casual expression simply meaning this, the love bed. It's called the love bed. And a lot of times, God says, I'm inviting you into this intimacy with me in the love bed, in the place reserved for me and no one else. But oftentimes, because our mind is not aligned with the truth that he's here and I'm with him, we start to take on the mindset of the Shulamite woman and say, where are you? And when we start to cry out, where are you, and you don't feel like he's there, you start to say, well, I don't feel God like I feel this. God doesn't satisfy me like this satisfies me. And we start to invite other lovers into the bedroom. Things that should not be satisfying us, but do. Hebrews 13, 4. Marriage is honorable among all. And the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. This verse is, usually, is used usually to talk about the marriage of man and woman. But hear me out. The principles of God are not reserved only between the lovers of a man and a woman. But it, the principles of God are also for the bride and the bridegroom. God says, I know what it is like to have my bride invite other lovers into the bedroom that's reserved for me. Right, You invite the lovers of drunkenness because the drink satisfies you more than the presence. Right, You, you invite the, the lover of gossip because talking about other people's problems is easier for you to deal with your own. Oh, oh, oh. Right? We invite these other lovers in. And God says, I will judge anyone that does the same to your husband or wife as you have done to me. You're seeking pleasures that I can satisfy, is what God is saying. You see, in the bed, the place of intimacy, you will wake up and long for the lover, but do you defile the bed with an invitation for others? And it's really easy to invite other lovers when you feel like he's not there. And that's the key. You feel like he's not there. She is in her bed in the middle of the night, half asleep, not being comforted by the assurance of his return, where they're longing for something now. And that's where most of the church is at. We're, 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 we're waiting for the return of Jesus, and we're focused on that separation. Jesus, when are you coming back? This is so hard. And because it's so hard, maybe, I know you gave me grace to save me from sin, so maybe I'll just lay with this lover. And you're so caught up that he's there, that you're forgetting that he's present. David, a man after God's own heart, in the middle of the wilderness said this in Psalm 63, 6-8. When I remember you on my bed, y'all talking with me tonight? When I remember you on my 
bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Don't you love how there's nothing in Scripture alone? It's all confirmed. Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. In times of alone, do you meditate on the one who holds you? Or do you start longing to be held so much that your mind wanders to other lovers? You ever heard of the scripture, if you've thought it, you've done it? Because every action starts with a mindset. So how do you prevent walking into sin. You don't focus on the sin. You start getting your mind aligned with, there's no more room in my bed. I, my mind is aligned that I am so close with God that no other lovers can satisfy what his presence satisfy every moment of my day. I don't need anything to feel whole because he is present and making me whole. And married couples, if you would get that, you would be a better husband and better wife because you're not looking for them to complete you because you've already completed. You'll actually start to understand that you are one and separate you're complete and together you're complete. You're no longer looking for something out of them because he satisfies everything. And you start to serve them rather than say, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Right? Is that, is that too much? Is that, okay. We think things like, my work day's been horrible. I need some time with God. Well, you just slept with your frustration instead of meditating on truth that he was with you the entire time. Did he just say slept with frustration? You betcha. Because we'll go through the day and I can't stand my job. I just, I am so tired of being here. You just invited frustration into your bed instead of taking some time to say, wait a minute, why am I voicing frustration when my God is right with me in this circumstance, and if I would just serve in this job as if I was serving unto the Lord, my God would move me when it's time to be moved or keep me if I need to be kept. Because my eyes are not on let me get comforted by frustration. My eyes are on I'm comforted by his presence. Right? Is this okay? Okay. Now, on the other side of this, let us look at what the Shulamite woman actually did. Because she didn't invite another lover into the bedroom. She was so in love with the king that she didn't get up and think, I need something to satisfy me. The only thing her eyes and her mind were set on is where is my beloved? The only thing she was focused on is where is my beloved? Because only the king satisfier. I want to read this out of Psalm 107 verses 9 through 15. For he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Some sat in darkness in deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why he broke them with hard labor. They fell and no one was there to help them. Lord, help. Anybody ever cried that out? Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. 
He led them from the darkness and deepest gloom, and he snapped their chains. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he's done for them. Why is it that when you seek God, you'll find him? Because even if you don't think he's there, the spirit is more powerful than you'll ever be. And he will lead you into a chain-snapping moment out of despair and into love's embrace, which satisfies every craving that you thought you got from other lovers. You ever heard, he can make all things work together for your good? You know what that means? God says, I don't care how far away you walk from me. My spirit can use that to get you into the place of change snapping. If you would just focus on me and not the place. Great degrees of love bring joy. But they also increase how much longing you have to be with the lover. And that's where the enemy starts to whisper. Because you experience such a tangible presence of God. And it's so good. Maybe it's in the altar call. Maybe it's in the garden. You experience this intense presence with God. I don't, I don't ever want to leave this place. It's so good. It's so real. Then you go to work. Or then you get in Monday morning traffic at 6.30 in the morning. Especially if you're in the Port Wentworth Rinkin area. And all that religion goes out the window real quick. Can someone say amen? You know, you throw up hands of praise, you know, at at the window. (laughs) And all of a sudden, because you're not in that same level of presence, that's when the enemy starts to go, hey, you know what would be really good right now? Right? And it starts with small compromise. And some of you may not think much of this, but I'm not saying that all music is bad, but sometimes we'll turn on a certain kind of music because we need the comfort of the music for the posture we're in. You know what you just did? You didn't get satisfaction for presence. You slept with a different sound. She was seeking him, and she was seeking him even in the cloudiness of her night. Because when you're building a relationship with God and walking with God, there is a mindset aligned with my bed is reserved. And when I feel alone, I'm not going to go searching for anyone else, but where is he? Where's my king? Where is the lover that my bed is reserved for? In other words, when you intentionally seeking God comes out of an established relationship from the spirit leading you into that revelation. we beat ourselves up so much sometimes because we're like, well, I don't seek God like that in the mornings for some reason. Your, your yearning for the presence of God only comes out of taking small footsteps. And the more you start to walk and the more you experience, the more you yearn. Don't expect to yearn for God as much as Jesus yearned for the Father if you can't even take two minutes in the morning and say, God, I love you. But start taking the two minutes in the morning so that that love increases and that desire for that time of refreshing increases. But oftentimes, we'll focus on what we don't have 
and I just wish I had a yearning for God and I wish I wanted to read my Bible. Stop wishing and start doing something because when you start doing something, the wanting will grow. We've seen delight in these last two chapters, which is leading this woman to this proper response of, I'm in the night, and it's not I want someone, it's I want the king. Unfortunately, the church has invited other lovers. When we feel or when we or when when we feel alone or when we're desperate or when we don't know what to do, instead of seeking God. Can I step on some sacred cows real quick? I was going to do it anyways. Now, I'm about to list some things that I love. And I'm about to list some things that we do in this house. So I want you to hear me out before you start making your opinions and start texting me tomorrow morning. Now, I love communion. I love seders. I love Shabbat. I love baptism. I love worship gatherings. I love fellowship. I love all those things. But you cannot invite those things in as the presence of God. Those are expressions of a posture of your bed being reserved for your king. Not your bed being reserved for the elements of things that express our desire for him. Do you search out those things? Or do you search for the king, and once he's in the bed of intimacy, you delight with the king with these elements? If you think you got to take communion to get in presence, you just put communion over presence. Because communion is let me take delight in who I'm present with. I've got to get the church to get in the presence. Nope. That's why you come and leave disappointed. Because this should be the delight of a posture that you've already invited him into. Uh, the Shulamite woman does exactly what we need to do. Look at this in verse 2. So I said to myself, I'll get up. And roam the city, searching in all its streets and squares. I will search for the one I love. So I searched everywhere, but did not find him. She didn't care what time it was, how inconvenient it was, or how difficult it was. She got up in the middle of the night, roaming the streets, roaming the squares. She was driven. I want my king, and I'm searching him out. I wonder how driven are you? She began searching in the dead of night. It's never too late to start seeking fellowship. It's never too hard to say, where is my God? These streets at night were lonely. It was unusual to go out and seek anyone like that, which means fear did not hold her back. She said, I don't care what it takes. I'm finding him. I'm going after him. Now, we're about to see in verse 3 that the reason she went out in the streets and the reason she had no fear is because she knew that the king had watchmen in the streets watching over everything, keeping order. Can I talk about some watchmen? Psalm 91, 9 through 13. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no 
evil will conquer you. Let me say that one more time. If you make him everything, evil won't conquer you. No plague, no COVID will... <laughs> will come near your home. For he will order his angels or watchmen to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone and you will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. Hebrews 1.14 Therefore, angels are only servants, spirits sent to care for people who will inherit salvation. Do you realize that there are angels sent to watch over you so that you have nothing to fear? And angels ain't these little babies with wings and hearts. You know how the Bible describes angels? Four faces, four wings, sparkling like bronze, legs like fire, faces that shone like lightning, the voice that sounds like the roar of a lion or seven thunders, eyes like flaming tortures. If you thought you saw an angel last night, <laughs> it was probably more of a vision than an actual visitation. Think about this. Eyes like lightning. Face like the sun, roaring like a lion, and you scared of a demon that looks like a shadow or a pig or a snake. God, God is so inviting you to search him out that he puts watchmen over you to make sure that you're protected. But is your mind aligned with truth that you're under protection? Or is it listening to the whispers and the lies? You know, some believe that this Shulamite roaming the city and searching all over the squares is actually a picture of her looking from church to church trying to find presence. All I can say is I want to be a house that when people walk in here, they may have thought they were coming for a word, but they actually found refreshment in the presence of God because our bed is reserved. Right? Never let anything keep you from seeking God. But never let anything convince you that he isn't where he promised us to be. And did you know that God actually tells us where he is? Let me read Luke 2, 41 through 49. Every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When Jesus was 12 years old, they attended the festival as usual. After the celebration was over, they started home to Nazareth, but Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents didn't miss him at first. <laughs> and the parents said amen. Because they assumed he was among the other travelers. But when he didn't show up that evening, they started looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they couldn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to search for him. Three days later, it's kind of funny, they finally discovered him in the temple, sitting among the religious teachers, listening to them and asking questions. All who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. His parents didn't know what to think. Son, his mother said to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. But why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? You know where God's at? You know where Jesus is at? 
You know where he's at? He's in his house. You know what 1 Corinthians 3.16 says? We're God's temple. And he dwells in the temple. 1 Peter 2.5, we're like living stones being built as a house. Why do you go searching for anywhere else other than right where you are? Where's God? Right there. Where's God? I'm alone. No, you're not. We spend so much time trying to find God in anywhere else other than right there with us. And if we would start to align our thinking with heavenly realities that he is present now, we would stop trying to find him and start taking delight in the fact that he's right here with us. Verse 3, the watchmen stopped me as they made their rounds. And I asked, have you seen the one I love? But they didn't answer. Why aren't they answering? Because they know he is present even though he may be away. And we need to realize he is in the Father's house. And when we seek him with our heart and with our mind, we are in the reality of presence, even though he may be away until the restoration of all things. But when do you search for him? When you do, you'll find him. Verse 4 says, Then scarcely had I left them when I found my love. I caught and held him tightly. And then I brought him to my mother's house, into my mother's bed, where I had been conceived. Her searching was rewarded. She got up in the middle of the night, wanted to know where the king was, where her beloved was. She went looking everywhere she could. Watchmen were around protecting her. And the watchmen wouldn't say anything because their job was not to tell. They were to keep order and make sure all was safe because they knew that if she was searching him, she'd find him. And when she found him, she wouldn't let him go. Don't let disappointment drive you away from the pursuit of the beloved. Because a lot of times we try to find God in places or try to find God in a moment and we get really disappointed. And at that moment, you can lay in the bed of disappointment or say, no, 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 disappointment. This bed's reserved. And it's not going to sleep in this bed because I'm going to go find my God. And finding God is realizing he never left. It's interesting because in Matthew chapter 28, Mary and Mary were looking for God. They were looking for Jesus because Jesus was just crucified. And it says, basically, they came up to the tomb. And in verse 9, it says, as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him and grasped his feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they'll see me there. Now, this was after the resurrection. So in a moment... For three years, or for however long the Marys met him, they were walking in the very presence of Jesus. I want you all to hear this now. They were walking in the presence of Jesus. 
And then one day they woke up and Jesus wasn't there. He was in a tomb. Turn down just a little bit. And for three days, they were waiting to go look for him. Right? They woke up in the night. They went to go look for Jesus. And then when they came to the tomb, they saw that the stone was rolled away. And you know what was on top of the stone? A watchman. And the watchman said, he ain't here. But he didn't tell him where he was. The watchman didn't tell Mary and Mary where Jesus was. They had a conversation with the watchman, and then they left. And when they left, they ran into Jesus. Do you realize how much that parallels with what we just read in 1-5? They were with the beloved. They woke up and the beloved wasn't there. They went searching. The watchman didn't tell them where he was. And then she, they went, and when they saw the beloved, what did Mary and Mary do? They grasped his feet. Just like the woman in Song of Songs 3, they grabbed hold of him and would not let him go. See, it isn't that we lose presence. It's we lose our sense of his presence. So search him out, and when you find him in this new posture of devotion, hold on to it, and don't let go. Well, when is it time to let go? Because Mary and Mary, you know, Jesus says, hey, get up, go tell him. Song of Solomon 3, 5, which is the exact same wording used in Song of Solomon 2, 7, promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the gazelles and the wild deer, not to awaken love until the time is right. The king reminds all, don't move her from this posture until the time is right. You know when Jesus told them to get up? When they were ready to go tell everybody. Because they were in a new posture of devotion. In a moment, they were convinced he wasn't present. And you know when, they, when, you know when he awakened them? When they understood that he was. You will be ready to leave a posture of the bedroom when you're ready to tell everyone the truth of his presence and when you realize that he ever never actually left the bed. I want to close with this, withdrawing attention to the woman taking the king back to her mother's bedroom. I want to read that verse again. It says in verse 4, I left them and when I found my love, I caught him and held him tightly. Then I brought him to my mother's house, into my mother's bed, where I had been conceived. This woman took the king back to her mother's bedroom, the place she had been conceived. She was taking him back there to make marriage plans to consummate the marriage. But why the mother's bed? It's showing us a picture. God says, I knew you before you were conceived. I knew you before you were in your mother's womb. This bed of your birth was mine all along. Take me to the place where you are reborn into a new life that is a relationship with me, for that is why I made you all along. Go back to the place of your birth and enter into a relationship with me called new birth. And take delight there. 
You see, that bed was reserved for him all along. So let your bed be reserved for him. What's my bed? It's you. It's what you put your hand to. It's the giftings God's placed inside of you. It's the calling on your life. It's the desires that you have in a relationship with God. He says, hey, everything that you want, I can satisfy. Everything that you need, I can provide. Any identity problems you've got, I can solve. But in order to understand that, you have got to go back to the place of birthing and be reborn into true you. He wants you to hold him close and take delight in him in the place that was always reserved for him. Fact of the matter is, you were never yours. You were always his. The life of searching out God, the truth is that when you search him out, you will find you. And we don't need to waste time with life trying to say, God, show me, show me who I am. We need to focus on God. I want to be where you are. And God's response is, I'm right there with you, son or daughter. He wants you to hold him close and take delight in him. And as you open your eyes to this, you'll find God through searching him out to be the one who satisfies your every need and desire. The response is simply, God, my bed's reserved for you. I'm not going to lie with disappointment. I'm not going to lie with the lies that I've been spoken over all my life. I don't know why I'm saying this, but if you've, if you've had a parent that has spoken negativity over you for years, you'll never amount to anything. You'll never do anything. You're no good. You're a waste of time. Hear me out. You need to go to the place of rebirthing. And hear these words. You are good. You're enough. You're special. I've got plans for you. I've got plans for you to prosper. I've got things I want to do through you. And I can't do it through no one else but you. Because you're special. I made you before you were ever in your mother's womb. I made you before you got in this world. Come back to the bedroom. Maybe there's people in here tonight that have never said yes to Jesus. Maybe you've, you, maybe you've said yes to other forms. I believe tonight God is saying, get back to the birthing place. And commit to God saying, my bed is reserved for you. I want intimacy with you, God. I'm tired of settling for anything else. He's calling you out. He's calling you out of the dark places. He's calling you out of ignorance. He's calling you out of the confusion. He loves you. Let's stand. His bed, our bed is reserved for him. He wants us in such a place of intimacy that we realize he is just as here as he will ever be. I invite you tonight as I pray and close us out. You're welcome to stay as long as you need to. If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to come right here with me and I'll pray with you. Maybe 
you're at a place where you have satisfied, been satisfied by other lovers and, you, and you've invited others into the bedroom, I say, do not leave this place until you say, God, it's only you. From this point on, it's only you. You know what the beauty of God is? He says, I'll wipe away your sins and I will remember them no more. So let me just say this to you. If he doesn't remember them, how dare do you? Stop being held back back by the things that God don't even know what you're talking about. God, I can't do that because of that 10 years ago. God's like, do what? It's a new day. God, thank you that your grace is so good and so sufficient that you're inviting us into a place of intimacy that is just as close as it can ever be. God, tonight we're a people that declare that the place of intimacy, the bed, is reserved for you. Let nothing else take that place. Lord, we love you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. This altar is open for anyone that may need it. Just worship him tonight.